Tonight, Canada is the place to be for wrestling fans in 23. John Cena is headed back to WWE's blue brand for at least one night. Sasha Banks is headed to New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom. But why? Are FTR on their way out of AEW? Plus, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame inductees were announced. We hear from the gatekeeper himself about that and a lot more, all on Sunday night's main event. We love professional wrestling. Acknowledge me. This is Sunday night's main event. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. On the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Because you love something fresh in you, don't you? We deserve better, people. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Do I have everybody's attention now? My God, what an impact. Hey, I'm Mike McGuire. Welcome to Canada's Wrestling Radio Show. This is Sunday night's main event powered by Great Lakes Beer, a fiercely independent brewery. Order online at greatlakesbeer.com. This show is always available to you for free on the air on TSN Radio, across Canada on the iHeartRadio Talk Network, the News Talk Network, as well as several affiliate stations throughout the country. But if you'd like to hear us in your neighborhood while you're driving around town, uh, let us know through the Contact Us page at snmeradio.com. If you'd like the show early, included extended episodes of this show, full-length interviews, daily podcasts, and more, you can get that for just Pennies a podcast, patreon.com slash SNME radio. I say that in a country where the penny doesn't exist anymore, but just just work with me on this, okay? Every week, we like to take some of the tastiest morsels from this week's past wrestling stories and give them to you in a nicely folded up to-go bag called the Five Count. Let's go. You want to hear the breaking news? WWE is planning on ending the year with some big names showing up on our TVs this past Friday on SmackDown. It was announced that in addition to Roman Reigns returning since being injured at Survivor Series, John Cena will be back in WWE. There's no news as to what his involvement is going to be, but it'll be the first time that John Cena has been in front of a WWE crowd on TV since his June 27th appearance on Monday Night Raw. Cena was introduced to the ring by Vince McMahon last time, which was just days after McMahon was revealed to be under investigation for the events which led to his Resignation. You can look for John Cena on WWE SmackDown Friday, December 30th. Sasha Banks is headed to New Japan Pro Wrestling's version of WrestleMania, but we don't know why yet. It was reported on Friday that Mercedes Vernado, a.k.a. Sasha Banks, will now be in New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom 17 on January 4th or 5th. Recently, Mercedes filed trademarks for her own name, as well as the names Mercedes Monet, Monet Talks, Bank Monet, and statement maker. Vernado's status with WWE is still unknown at this time. There have been reports that negotiations are ongoing, but it's also been reported that her Wrestle Kingdom appearance was not booked by WWE, unlike Shinsuke Nakamura, who will be appearing in Japan soon against the Great Muda. What this means? Vernado could be a free agent by then. If so, she could end up anywhere, maybe even AEW. There were loads of title changes from NXT and Ring of Honor's pay-per-views yesterday. The New Day are tag team champions once again, this time in NXT after defeating Pretty Deadly. Over on the ROH side, Athena defeated Mercedes Martinez for the ROH Women's Championship. Wheeler Yuta took the ROH Pure title from Daniel Garcia. The Briscoes, in a very quickly announced match, defeated FTR in that bloody double dog collar match. And the Briscoes are now ROH Tag Team Champions for the 13th time. 
The Embassy defeated Dalton Castle and the boys for the ROH six-man tag championships. And Claudio Castagnoli is a two-time ROH world champion now after defeating Chris Jericho in the main event of Final Battle. Speaking of Ring of Honor, yesterday the answer as to where ROH Weekly TV will be landing was going to be answered, and presumably it's going to be behind a paywall. In the post-show scrum for Final Battle, ROH owner Tony Khan revealed that the monthly subscription service Honor Club is back in the swing of things and is going to be the home for ROH television. We have done a soft launch with a new Honor Club. It's actually operational and it is $9.99. The TV is going to live there. So the TV on the Honor Club, I'll announce when it's going to start, but I think it makes a lot of sense for us. Now, I do want to stress that there were several edit points in that clip. However, nothing was taken out of context, and it does look as though spring will be the launch for ROH TV. And a couple of big Canadian debuts, a re-debut north of the border for AEW as Chris Jericho went to Twitter to announce that AEW would be making their way to the Canadian prairies. AEW will be making our Winnipeg debut on Tuesday, a special Tuesday Night Dynamite, March 14th. Plus the brand that had a breakthrough 2022 GCW announced that they are making their way to Toronto. Now, not to be confused with Great Canadian Wrestling, which does have its own series of shows in the Ontario area, but Game Changer Wrestling, the promotion that has arguably revived the death match, has risen the names of Nick Gage and many others, are making their way to the six in March of 2023. Tickets have not been announced yet, but you can bet when we find out, you will for sure. Something that did come out this week, though, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame for 2022. Dave Meltzer is going to be joining us for an extended edition today. We're going to do what we normally do and talk about what's happening in the world of wrestling next, followed by a breakdown of this year's Hall of Fame inductees. That's all on the way right here on Sunday Night's Main Event. You're listening to Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. Sunday night's main event is brought to you by Great Lakes Beer, a fiercely independent brewery. Black as night, light as a full moon, deep in character. Little is known about the guardian that protects the Great Lakes Stout. His nobility is as thick as his mustache, which belies the essence of the beer he defends. Through this mystery, what one can gather is, with this traditional dry stout, you'll finally vanquish the illusion that dark means heavy. Congratulations, you just found your new session stout. Find a selection of Great Lakes beer at your local LCBO or order online at greatlakesbeer.com. It's time! It's time! It's time! For the Wrestling Observer Insider with Dave Meltzer on Sunday night's main event. Dave Meltzer is back. It was a big week for you with the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. The 2022 Hall of Fame came out. We're going to talk about that later on. But is that a stressful time of year for you? Do you worry about the Hall of Fame coming out or do you have it kind of down to a system now? It's very difficult and extremely time consuming. So, um... Um, yeah, I would say it's stressful. Um, yeah. Not so much like the the feedback or anything like that, but but just the it's a very daunting week. I mean, it's one of my hardest weeks of the year. I, I mean, I'd say this year, except for like when Vince actually resigned, you know, where right. it's like that was more daunting because then it's like I got to write a bio of Vince's 
50 years in pro wrestling, you know, it's like, Oh my God, you know? Um, so, but yeah, it was one of the more difficult issues of the year for sure. So we will get down to that list a little bit later on here in the show, folks, for those that are wondering, because it is a big deal. And there's some names there that some people know, and some people that just follow North America might not be as in tune with, but even then a lot of the names had touched over on this side of the world. So in the meantime, Dave, we'll do what we normally do. And that is talk about the last week in wrestling. Of course, some big announcements came out. One of the biggest ones is that John Cena will be making his second appearance of the year for WWE. And it'll be on December 30th, SmackDown. Is this going to be kind of what happened last time where it's a one-off? Hey, how you doing? I'll be back when I can sort of thing. Or do you know if this is maybe leading into something bigger? I know in February and March, he's going to be doing a movie. So he will not be on TV live in February and March, or at least most of February and and, and much of March. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he will not be on WrestleMania? I think he, you know, again, I don't know what the timing of the movie is. If the, if the timing of the movie allows him to be at WrestleMania, then this is probably the, the start. Yeah, I, I mean, you go like, I don't know what the one off reason would be, but guess what? You know, he's like, he's going to draw ratings. The last time he was on that show, the ratings were way, way up. So I guess if you could just make the argument that, hey, anytime we can get John Cena on the show now that he's a big star, you know, you know a bigger star outside of wrestling, uh, we'll do that. And we got that chance in December 30th, kind of like a semi holiday show that probably wouldn't draw big. So it's probably a good week to get him on. Like you said there, I think the timing is right where the way the holiday season lines up this year, it kind of tags off of a couple of weekends here. So a lot more people are going to be staying home or together with family, that sort of thing. And yeah, Friday night, December 30th, you know, a couple of days before New Year's, it's not like anything big is happening. Let's uh, let's sit around the TV and find out what John Cena has to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'll, he'll draw, you know, I mean, he, Absolutely. he, he drew real big the last time. Yeah. Another guy who's coming back now, this hasn't been that long of an absence, and normally it's not uncommon for Roman Reigns to disappear a little bit after a pay-per-view, but this time it was injury-related. Is Roman basically going to be a staple on programming, you think, moving forward into into Rumble season and into WrestleMania here? Yeah, I get, yeah I'm sure he's going to be on the Rumble show, so mm-hmm. in the weeks leading up to that, he'll probably do multiple TVs, sure. It's, that's what his basic thing is. If he's got nothing on the pay-per-view, then uh, you know he doesn't come. And uh, if he's got something coming up and Rumble, you know, he should be defending the title on, on, on Rumble. And, and I would I would think he's going to defend in Montreal. No one's told me that. So I think that and then, of course, Mania. So I think he'll be on first quarter of 2023 um, a lot more than probably, you know, coming out of that first quarter. Well, this is the big money making time of year for WWE, although I mean. I guess every time of year now, the way their TV deals, everything are is money making time. They're year. always making they're always making money. But this is probably but when yeah, fan engagement is highest, right? January to WrestleMania is when the interest in WWE is highest every year. It's traditional. It it they couldn't change it anyway now at this point because the brand um, of WrestleMania is so big that I mean you could put together the biggest grudge match in history and it's not going to get anywhere close to the attention that WrestleMania will. So yes. Fan engagement is going to be the highest by far. It's it's now wrestling season is January, February and March and, you know, first week of April. That's like their March madness. So Roman was out due to what was believed to be a ruptured eardrum. Drew McIntyre apparently out for the same reason. Yes. This, yeah. OK. Yeah. This yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is Do we know ear. how his happened? I, do, I know it was in the same match, but I don't know exactly what spot. It happened okay. in and he didn't know that he had it. I mean, I guess he knew he was hurting. And then 
the doctors found out that he did because he continued to wrestle. He was wrestling up until um, a week ago, Sunday, I believe it was. He was at, he was still doing house shows. And then Monday, he, he posted the thing about how I'm medically disqualified. And that's when the doctors found out he had it and said, hey, you know, you you got to take a couple weeks off. We're talking to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer and WrestlingObserver.com. You're listening to Sunday night's main event. I'm Mike McGuire. And Dave, another name that's making a ton of news for wrestling fans is Sasha Banks, Mercedes Varnado has been reported by you and uh, several others as being a part of Wrestle Kingdom this year. Do you have any latest for us on the status of Sasha Banks? Is she with WWE anymore? I know you put out a report saying the belief is that she's done, but do, do we know anything for certain here and, and how this Wrestle Kingdom appearance even came up? Okay, what I do, I know how the appearance came up, and that okay. is that it was negotiations between her and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and okay. WWE had nothing to do with it, and she told them that she's free and clear from WWE. Um, when I asked WWE, they didn't really answer one way or the other, as far as like, is she free and clear or not? It's, you know, there's, there's the thing that is, you know, her, her contract would be up by January the 4th, but they've frozen contracts, you know, I mean, and, and forever, like Brian Danielson, you know, if you remember that story yeah, and, and Ray Mysterio for months and months and FTR for months and months and Brody, uh, Brody Lee for months and months and many others. You know, if somebody gets an injury, Nasasha walked out uh, months ago. And so by that right, they absolutely have the right in theory, based on the wording of their contracts to freeze her, which would keep her from being able to do this show. I don't know the backstage stuff that led her to be able to do what Brian Danielson could never do and what Brody Lee and FTR and all those guys could not do when they wanted to leave. And then they were, you, you can't leave because we froze your contract. Right. Um, so I don't know that those details, but I do know that WWE has nothing to do with this deal. It, it's not the Nakamura deal. My gut is, is that new Japan will announce it on Wednesday, but um, maybe they'll want to keep it a surprise and not announce it, but she is absolutely booked on the show and she will not wrestle on that show, but she will wrestle for new Japan pro wrestling. Um, that is, She's agreed to dates on that. And as far as AEW goes, I do not know. It certainly starts the speculation that uh, she's going to debut at the forum. I think people will be very disappointed if it's not her based on everything here, you know, because Soraya Mm -hmm. is going to bring in a mystery partner. So I don't know the answer to that. And I'm sure that I will not be told that. (laughs) But also, if that's the case, I think that we'll know just like we knew with CM Punk. I think that they'll they'll do the exact same marketing thing where they tell you, but they don't tell you. And if they start hinting it, that's her, you know, because she is a free agent um, with the kind of money that she was asking from WWE that you would need an AEW part of the deal because New Japan alone is not going to pay her seven figures a year. AEW, would they do it? Um, yes, they. I, I'm sure they would. And timing wise, I'm sure that Tony's looking for something you know, something big because they need a shot in the arm right now, you know, coming off of what happened in September and and the fact that, you know, a lot of their their live attendance is is down. Their ratings are flat and, and the Friday ratings are not good. And the, the Wednesday no. ratings, the rate, Wednesday ratings have been fine and even good a lot of weeks. But they're, you know, the week ago, a week ago, Wednesday, there was they had a bad number, but their ratings are flat right now and they're looking for a jolt, you know, losing punk hurt a lot. I don't believe she's going to be the replacement, but we will learn. Sometimes things surprise you. Sometimes people come in and they mean more than you think. And then sometimes people come in and you go, oh, they're going to they're gonna be a big difference maker. And they don't mean anything. And and she's got a very, very passionate fan base. But will they will they travel to AEW for her? 
we'll find out. And that's the other question too. Like, I mean, I'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around is Sasha Banks or Mercedes Renato, is she that big of a draw that it would help that much? And I guess, like you said, time will tell time, wherever, time wherever will, she t- shows up. Yeah. T- time will tell. And um, I'm not like 100% convinced that this may not spur WWE to up their offer, knowing that it's very serious that she really could go elsewhere. And so unless she has signed for those dates, you know, it's like the fact that she's agreed to them. I've seen people pull out. And if she's a person of her word, she won't pull out. And she would tell WWE, it's like, hey, I'll go back in, you know, when I fulfill these commitments. Some people would. And as we've seen, many will not. But right now, I mean, as far as if you're talking about the negotiations with WWE, they are, you know, her deal is done with WWE. Uh, She believes and she is elsewhere is based on what she's told these other promotions. It seems to be you can show up in AEW and either become white hot or fall fast. And that's really just where it goes. I want to talk about the numbers here that you brought up a little bit here, especially the Rampage numbers and the fact that it was unveiled last night by Tony Khan after the final battle broadcast that ROH did not secure a TV deal. He said that the TV is going to live on Honor Club. So basically, presumably behind the paywall, Unless they just put it up there, it, it, it will be, it will be, it will, no, it will be a, a nine ninety nine per month, yeah, uh, deal, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not like where WWE Network now has like certain shows they'll just put up for free, and then you have the the nine ninety nine or whatever the the tiers are, right? Right, right. So this will all be behind. So this is almost going back to like original NWA TNA style here, where it's like you got to pay. The, right. the monthly fee either way to, to watch the weekly TV. It, 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 it is. I hadn't thought about it, but it is yeah. very much like that. And as you were probably on everyone recalls, that was not a successful entity. Now, granted, it's really part of AEW. And it's also, you know, because something didn't work in 2002 doesn't mean it doesn't work in 2023. Right. Um, but I mean, I consider it pretty big. The fact that they didn't get television, especially with everything going on in WBD. You know, every time there's, there's a WBD story and there's one every week, it seems like it worries me of, not about them being canceled so much, but them not getting a um, you know strong enough offer to be competitive um, with WWE. And that's like the key to this thing. I think if if, uh, you know, because, you know, again, a lot of the people who are, you know, the people who put them on the air first, you know, that, that it's their baby. I mean, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Kathleen Finch is a big proponent of AEW, or she said that publicly. And AEW is one of the highest rated shows that they've got. The Dynamite show, not Rampage. In that sense, I would think it looks good. But they're also, you know, they publicly go, you know what? We don't need the NBA. And, and the NBA is a hell of a lot bigger than AEW. Right. right. So when I when I saw them say, hey, you know, we can we don't need the NBA. And, I'm, and also the number of homes that are getting these stations really diminished greatly in the last year, far more than anybody knows. And because of that, it's like, you can see kind of a mentality of, of like, you know, we're not going to put as much resources into these stations. You know, I mean, you can see that. And well, so that, that's, that's my next question though, stemming from ROH, not getting TV. Does this put rampage more on a, a bubble than before? Because that show is not doing well. It, you know, they're throwing everything and the sink at it there were supposed to be all these live rampages that never happened and no they did they did it as an experiment well and, they, did, um, they did a few but then tony said they were going to be like you're probably always going to see live rampages moving forward and that that stopped it stopped because the um the ratings of the live rampage were no different than the ratings of the tape rampage so exactly yeah. yeah 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 um the rampage number that they got um last friday 
was low enough to where I could look at it and go, you know, this 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 could be bad. I mean, yeah, you, you could even say on the bubble in the sense that, you know, they could put, you know, one of their movie things in that time slot. And if they can draw the same and they before they couldn't before Rampage was doing well above what they could have done with right. other programming. You can't say that now. And that's what that's where, you know, the like 0.12, 0.10 in that range. Um, that's a bubble rating. You know, if it's 0.17 there, they're great, but they're not doing 0.17. The last one was 0.08 and that's actually below. So, yeah, your point um, and the fact that that may have played a part in the fact that, like, um, you know, if you're WBD and you look at that, go like, uh, do we want to pay for another hour a week of wrestling when their secondary show in this, this would be a third show. So um, I think that like, it's like dynamite, I think is very safe, right. but, but rampage um, I don't, you know, I don't know. And that's just it. I think that knowing what I know about, the broadcast side of things and being around that long enough, every show, no matter what it is, whether it's wrestling, whether it's drama, whether it's movies of the week, it has a threshold. And if you stay below that threshold too long, yes, they move on because they, they got, they got money to make and they'll find something else to boost the numbers. So, I mean, I don't want AEW to lose rampage, but I, I just, it doesn't look good just from a number standpoint. So here's hoping that, that maybe things turn around for them on that. There were a couple interesting matches that happened within the last week here, and both of them kind of cemented FTR being in a position where they are definitely putting over and establishing different tag teams, uh, losing to the acclaimed and then having that incredible dog collar match, which again was announced out of nowhere. This is that rush announcing that, that again, if there was an actual feud to build, if ROH TV did exist, the Briscoes versus FTR three with the dog collars would have been probably a lot more built up. Definitely a stellar match, but FTR have now dropped the Ring of Honor titles as well. They now are not champions with the two properties that Tony Khan's involved with. They have mentioned that they might want to look at getting off of TV for a while or whatever that means. Is this an indication by them putting over these teams in your mind that FTR are on their way out of AEW? No, it's not because um, I think that like they, you know, they'd beaten the Briscoes twice. So I think that it was sort of like, do you want to beat them again? It would keep the program going. Although, man, I don't know how you top that match and follow that match. Right. But and the loss of the acclaimed was just the right booking for the time because beating the acclaimed, you know, you shouldn't do it now. I mean, as far as I, I like, I don't consider this an indication of anything if they start to disappear from television. But, you know, they're going to do the program with the Gun Brothers. So I don't think they're disappearing from television. But I mean, as far as. You know, only they know what their what their mentality is when the contract is up um, and they're in a good position at a good time um, because WWE would take them back and they, the timing of their free agency is real good. So you can't say, hey, they'll never go back to WWE because um, there's money to be made there. The idea that they would take a year off and I know that they've said this, it makes no sense in this environment to take a year off when you're the age that those guys are, especially Dax 38 to take a year off when you're you're hot and there's money to be made like big big money for him you know like close to seven figures if not seven figures for a year if you have the ability to make that kind of money do you really want to do indies for a year in your prime i mean if he was 45 or 46 you know i would say hey just give the body a rest is that what you want to do i mean it's different he's he's in prime earning years right now well, I guess it also depends on, on what exactly they're making at AEW, though, because, I mean, we've heard a lot of guys say that they're they're making more money on the Indies than they did on TV. So 
It's it's six of one, right? And well, he's not gonna he's gonna he's not gonna make a million dollars a year on the indies. I mean, those guys are not gonna make that. They can make way more in WWE than the indies. They can make may, oh, way WWE, more. Oh, Yeah, I think so. But they can make way more in AEW. A- no, they can make way more in AEW than they can make in the indies. I don't know what they're getting, but they're not they're not at a low number. I'm sure of that. But I don't know the number. That's fair. All right. Talking to Dave Meltzer here from Wrestling Observer and WrestlingObserver.com. Fun video showed up on Twitter of Scarlett wrestling her first match in WWE, a uh, first real long scale match, anyways, here, tag match with her and Karrion Cross against uh, Madcap Moss and Emma. Do you think this is going to be the path they go with Scarlett? She's going to be more in ring and less of just a valet? It's something if they want to do that program. And, and I think that that I think that that was a tryout to see what would happen because, yeah, they want to put Madcap Moss and Emma together. And if they do, um, you know, they've already done stuff with, um, you know, with uh, Madcap Moss and, and Cross. So it, it you know, this TV storyline does make sense for it. So the fact that they're doing it this early at a house show before they've really pushed for it on TV tells me, let's look at this thing first and then decide where we're going to go. So I'm guessing that that's what this is all about. And last question here for Dave Meltzer for our regular weekly segment. And then we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame coming up after the break here. The Matt Riddle situation, him and Elias, uh, both written off essentially Elias maybe not written off but was taken out of the tag title match from this past Monday's Raw and Matt Riddle is off of TV now for presumably six weeks is there something going on with Riddle or is he okay like is this just storyline they give him a break what's the I don't know and I I tried to find out so um you know usually in this situation it would be cover for an injury for real injury right um but uh nobody has said anything so um I don't have a definitive answer on that one. I've asked a lot of people who are close to him and they just, um, they don't have, you know, there's no answer. That's all I'll say, you know, that's all right. That's fair enough. All right. Dave Meltzer from the wrestling observer, WrestlingObserver.com, where I would normally ask you what's the newsletter, but of course, everybody's talking about the wrestling observer hall of fame and stay tuned because Dave is going to help break it down for us here in just a few minutes, right here on Sunday night's main event. This is Sunday night's main event on TSN Radio. If you're a fan of Sunday night's main event, check out WrestlingObserver.com, a daily podcast, multiple podcasts per day, with hosts Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, and a number of others. You get a full library of podcasts dating back to 2005, over 9,000 shows, hundreds of back issues of Dave's Wrestling Observer newsletter dating back to 1991, and so much more. Don't miss out. Check it out today. WrestlingObserver.com This is Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. Welcome back to Sunday Night's Main Event. Yes, the Hall of Fame has been released once again. The annual Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. So Dave Meltzer, kind enough to spend a little more time with us to talk all about this. You talked about in our last segment how... There's a lot of work behind it, a lot of tabulating, a lot of surveying. You have, uh, can you give us a number of, of how many people vote each year on this thing or roughly many, how many people vote um, this year? At least 300. Um, wow. I don't know the exact number, but I sent out about 400 ballots. I wow. think maybe, okay. maybe, maybe even a little more than that. That's a, that's um, a pretty, pretty high voter turnout then. This is better yeah, than a lot yeah. of elections too. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, everybody has their say here. So Dave, I'm going to let you go ahead and take us through the list here of those who were inducted and, and why you feel uh, they are where they are. So I'll take it away. 
the leading inductee was uh, uh, Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe, who are tag team for All Japan Pro Wrestling in the 90s. And one of the greatest tag teams of all time and pretty much a no-brainer um, inductee, I thought. And uh, and they got over 75% of the vote, which is very, very difficult. There's only a handful of people in, in the history. We've been doing voting since 25 years now. And there's only a handful of people who've reached that threshold. And two actually did this this year. And the other was Mystico, who probably would have been in earlier, except the WWE run. Sin Cara really hurt him. But he was a giant drawing card in Mexico and is still CMLL's top draw even today. You know, his heyday was probably, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007, that era. Right. And, um, the only wrestler from Mexico ever to win wrestler of the year. And he was, uh, you know, biggest, you know, he was the biggest drawing card in wrestling at one point, which is about the only time in modern wrestling. Someone from Mexico had done that. I mean, like in the nineties, you know, you definitely had some guys. And in the seventies, you certainly had guys from Mexico that were the, among the biggest draws in the world. But most, you know, most of the modern era, it's really been WWE guys. And he was just, you know, out there doing 10,000, 15,000 people every Friday night at Arena Mexico, protected the top guy. It was really a phenomenon. They you had. bring that up, though, with his WWE run as Sin Cara, and that's how some fans listen to this show probably remember him as. And I mean, I was at a couple of shows he was at. I was at the one where he had to come out three times in Edmonton uh, against Heath Slater and, and redo the finish to the match uh, a few times. And it just seemed to be like a, a series of unfortunate events for him. What, what do you think didn't work? for Mystico in WWE. And why do you think it was such a challenge? You know, it's funny because when he they say they signed him and even when they were scouting him, you know, right. to, to sign him and it was a big money deal to bring him in. Mm-hmm. And they made a big deal about it when they brought him in. Oh, right. Huge, Jim, huge. Yeah, right, right. I knew it wasn't going to work. And everyone in Mexico knew it wasn't going to work because it was a combination of a guy being such a superstar over there. And then he's going to go into this new locker room where they don't see him as that. They see him as a guy starting at the bottom. And the style difference and the fact that he was not a good speaker of English, so they would not push him hard. So you have a guy who's used to being, you know, uh, you know, almost like a Hulk Hogan, maybe not quite that big, but um, but not that far off. You know, like so, but let's say let's say someone who's used to being a Randy Savage or a or a, you know, a, a top guy, just a, super a top, 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 super, guy. Yeah, super yeah. top guy, you know, like like one of those real legendary Dwayne Johnson type of guys where where, you know, they're they're bigger than the usual top guy level. And then he goes to another place where, number one, they start telling him, don't do this, don't do that. Everything that he does to get over um, the talent doesn't look at him as a top guy. Um, he's small, which always hurts in WWE. Um, the style differences, you know, again, American style and Mexican style are very, very different. And um, some guys, you know, they learned the progression like Pentagon and Phoenix because they worked in the United States for years and years and years on Indies and blended in and everything like that. He didn't have that time frame he went right to the main roster if he would have had a year in nxt to acclimate himself to the style change but they were paying him way too much to do that so it was a, a, a it was a recipe for disaster and it was a disaster you know he wasn't happy they weren't happy with him they're paying him all this money um he i the one of the things that i remember is um one year in the WWE video game, he was the third most playable character. And I remember the story about WWE management finding that out and just being all freaked out because they weren't pushing him at all. And his merchandise sold very well, too. So, I mean, it wasn't like he didn't get over to a degree and he got over bigger than his push. Yes. But at the same time, he didn't get over to the level that they wanted 
And, um, you know, eventually they let him go and put the other guy in his Sin Cara. You know, they yeah. just changed, changed guys. And they, they, I mean, and the poor guy, he had a pretty bad rap for a while there. I mean, you, you heard a lot of not great things. And I, I don't know how yeah, much yeah, yeah, was well, true versus how no, much no, I mean, is a was, bad taste. But, well, he was very, very cocky because he was a superstar from a lot of, from another place. And right. the problem is, is that in wrestling, people become superstars, generally walk around like they're superstars. And then you got this, the the thing, and I knew this was one of the reasons I knew it wasn't going to work was he's going to go there and he's going to walk around like he walks around in Mexico, like a superstar. And those guys are going to look, you've never done anything because it's like he was successful in a place where they were that talent. I mean, they were aware of it, but they do not. It's like we're here in the net. We're international stars. You're a star in Mexico. And and. So it's you're going to have that issue. And then also there was a, a point where he broke his hand and he went to the back and yeah. their mentalities is like, you know, if you get hurt, you stay out and you finish your match. And that hurt him a lot, too. Well, was the so, match against Del Rio where he was like with Alberto Del Rio plus Del Rio yeah. and Del Rio didn't get along with him, which didn't help either. You know, right. and Del Rio was was a big star who could talk English and everything. And also Del Rio became management's favorite as far as their Mexican superstar, not him, because he could speak English and he was taller. And, um, yeah. you know, so. And he, Del Rio didn't work out either, but that's no. a different issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, let's move forward then. And uh, congrats. I, I don't want to spend the whole time like we ragged on the guy either because he did accomplish great things and he's a super, to super drawing card. Things, and he's, so, look, yeah. he, he did over, over 75% of the vote. That's a great total. So then exactly. we had we had uh, Rollerball Mark, Mark Rocco, from uh, who's also Black Tiger in the original Black Tiger in New Japan Pro Wrestling, who is, uh, I would say, Rollerball Rocco changed the entire style of not the entire style, but he changed, he innovated a style in uh europe in 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 england in particular where it was much harder hitting and much faster paced and a lot of guys didn't like it but of course it captivated fans he he really was a great great worker safe to say that physicality of that level at the time just wasn't a thing in in european wrestling it was a lot more of the the execution of moves and and the illusion rather than the actual grittiness and, and rollerball cranked that up quite a bit I think so. There was it, there was a lot of prettiness and there was a lot of pantomime and a lot of yeah. comedy. And yeah. he went in there with like this style, very similar to Dynamite Kid. Right. You know, very, very similar. They they actually wrestled each other before Dynamite came to um, Calgary. And sometimes Dynamite would go back and they would wrestle each other. And boy, like their matches were were so I mean, you could put those matches on today and people would go, oh, my God, they're great. And, and you know, like they would fit in today and Rocco style would fit in today. And Rocco had great matches with Jushin Liger, who was then flying Fuji Yamada. Like if you watched it, he had that aura of being a real superstar and he was an excellent worker. Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, who were both active and top, top guys there. Uh, well, they, for, for people that don't understand how your Hall of Fame can have active wrestlers, there is a percentile that you have of, of people that go in for, for different years, right? With Japan, they're all on the same ballot. So, so okay. it's, it's basically 60% of the people who vote for Japan. And um, they were the strongest candidates. Well, Kawada and Tawai were the strongest, but then Naito and Abushi came in. And I think that Abushi would have, you know, Abushi came very close last year. And I think that the reason he didn't get in was because so many people voted for Okada. And then this year you didn't have that on the ballot. And also with Naito, I think a lot of people probably examine and go, you know what? I mean, it's been 10 years. This guy's been a main eventer. He's the biggest merchandise draw in, in Japan for years and years. And, and, you know, per cap probably in the world because new japan was doing higher per caps than wwe and the large 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 percentage of the merchandise was lij which was basically naito yeah los ingenobles de japan so he was a giant merch seller um very very over i mean like the two most over guys 
for years were Okada and Naito. So I think that as time went on and now it's been so many years, people go like, you know what? He's a Hall of Famer. And I think that's what probably uh, flipped the switch on him. So, um, yeah, so those were um, the key guys. Yeah. Were you surprised to see Ibushi in there, given all the drama he's had with New Japan this year? No, because I thought he was going to. He came so close last year. Right. And I figured with Okada out, I figured that Ibushi had a real good shot. But, yeah, the drama, eh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that it hurt because his career, you know, he didn't do anything in the last year because he had the shoulder injury. But uh, to me, you know, it's like he he was also a guy who did great, great, great stuff on the indie scene for years. He didn't have as many years in New Japan, but he's, you know, he's one of the most talented wrestlers I've ever seen and had some of the greatest matches, you know, with Omega and Nakamura and Tanahashi and and uh, Ishii. And I mean, um, you know, all of those guys um, that that um, AJ, um, you know, just so many guys that this guy just was in there with that, you know, he shined with. Yeah. And then we have one more Mexican contingency to talk about. Oh, the Vianos. Yeah. Uh, um, so the Vianos also got in, which, which that they did surprise me, but that's a famous wrestling family in Mexico. Viano Tercera is already in the hall of fame, but this year we added a lot, a lot of people to the ballot. The old rule to me was is Tawe and Kawada. It's like Kawada's in. So we'll put Tawe on the list and Tawe wasn't going to get in as a single. And then people were just like, you know what, but are Kawada and Tawe a hall of fame tag team? And the answer is yes, they are. So there's a lot of teams like Steamboat and Youngblood where Steamboat's in Youngblood is would not get in as a single, but are they a Hall of Fame tag team? Arguably, yes. Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Jack is in. Is Jerry a singles Hall of Famer? You could argue that he is, but it's not a slam dunk or anything like that. But Jack and Jerry is a tag team, I think, probably. Or British Bulldogs. Dynamite's in. Davey's not. Could you argue with British Bulldogs before influence should be in? Yes, you certainly can. And they came very close to getting in. So there's a lot of new acts that were put on the ballot this year. And um, the Vianos being another one where, yeah, Viano Tercera, Viano three was um, a Hall of Famer and voted in and everything like that is, you know, the, the the rest of them on their own Hall of Famers. No. Is the Vianos as a group Hall of Famers? I guess they are because they got the votes. <laughs> so um, it surprised me. They, they surprised me. And maybe maybe this being the big year for Viano, you know, losing his mask and, and having those great triple mania matches. Maybe that helped. But but the Vianos as a trio, you know, in the um, 80s and 90s, more in the 80s. I mean, they really were, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the top trios in Mexico when trios ruled Mexico. The Vianos and Brazos were one of the most famous feuds ever in Mexico. So I can see why people voted for them. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's the uh, the main wrestlers there. I know you had a couple promoters that went in as well. Can you just give us a, a quick uh, accounting of these two gentlemen that made their way into the, the hall here based on their promotion? Okay. So Lou Darrow was the person who put pro wrestling on the map in Los Angeles and actually made Los Angeles for a time in the 30s, you know, the number one place they would do st stadium shows. He had a really great track record as far as being a promoter during that period. And um, his brother later promoted after he retired. And um, there's a lot of scandals involved with him. Big, big scandals that are all covered as well. Very interesting time period and very interesting candidate. And the other one is Johnny Doyle, who is a really unique guy because Johnny Doyle it was, it was a lot like Jim Barnett, and he was actually the partner of Jim Barnett for many, many years in the sense that it's not like, say, Sam Mushnick in St. Louis or, or um, you know, Roy Shire in San Francisco or something like that, where, you know, Eddie Graham, you know, where, where a guy is a Hall of Fame promoter for decades, Don Owen, right? Mm -hmm. Johnny Doyle went from place to place like he, he first made it big in Los Angeles, and this is when uh, 
TV hit big, you know, so he was in the right place at the right time with Gorgeous George and Enrique Torres and big, big, big business. And then he left. He sold his promotion to um, Cal Eaton, you know, who was the um, stepfather of Mike LaBelle and Gene LaBelle and um, the, the wife of uh, the husband of Eileen Eaton, who ran boxing and wrestling. And then he left and then he went to different places, went to Boston, had a great run in Boston for a couple of years where um, uh, Kowalski was like the big draw. And just big, big business. Then he went to Indianapolis and with uh, the bruiser in the same type of role, big, big business for several years. Uh, then he and Barnett went to Australia and they were the number one promoters in the world at the time from 64 to 68 um, when he was there. And then he uh, he got cancer and retired and and, and passed away. But, um, you know, the, 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 the Australia period was, you know, I don't want to say it's like WWE today when they went when they were national. But as far as penetration to the public, it was actually bigger because they were on big television stations and there were a lot of a lot of television stations and everybody watched. They had some great, great years there. And the wrestlers uh, in Australia were the highest paid wrestlers in the world. They would get every I mean, from Bruno to everyone in that period went over there for their, you know, anywhere from a few weeks to six months and got more money than they ever made anywhere during that uh, heyday of world championship wrestling in Australia. And him and Barnett were the two promoters of it. So that's, uh, that's the key with, with those two guys. Well, I know this week you already have a great write-up on Lou Darrow and looking forward to next week's big write-up on Johnny Doyle. And also looking forward to seeing what next year's hall of fame looks like, because for those that don't know the way Dave works, this thing is he'll actually rotate, uh, performers in and out as well rotate wrestlers well i don't out. i don't i don't i don't rotate well, I mean, you, you don't but the the, the balloting does the balloting right? does so. yeah because if you get less than 10 percent, you're out um or you and you get 15 years to get in unless you're a strong candidate like sarge who comes close every year and hasn't gotten in yet it's going to be a hard ballot next year though um um in the united states because that especially the historical side it's the toughest historical side ever because you've got um you know rock and perez briscoe's you got a ton of names in here that I would think would already be in uh, the Steiner brothers, for goodness sake. Uh, the Steiners are very close. Now, they're going to be in the um, U.S. and Canada modern section, which will not be nearly as close as tough. You know, we right. got the, the Steiners and you have Roman Reigns. Young Bucks are going to be in the ballot next year, which is going to be very polarizing. I've already seen people furious that they're on and people going like, how can you not vote for them because of their role in creating AEW? The Young Bucks will definitely be the ones debated the most, but the Steiners have a very good shot based on on that. I think Rock and Perez, uh, who should be in, have a, have a very good shot. And then there's a lot of others. There's a lot of, you know, I mean, the definitely the ones I heard the most about were, you know, why didn't Rock and Perez get in? And, and why didn't Bobby Davis get in? And it's because of the reason in both cases, because of the toughness of the ballot. It is so tough. There's so many people there and um, in that category. And um, it's hard to get a consensus when you've got so many good candidates. Well, if you've never checked out the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, highly suggest you do. It's always an interesting look for me again, if not for the names that are already in. It's for the ones, like you say, like the Bucks that cause conversation. Uh, CM Punk, I'm interested to see where he ends up next year. Uh, you know, this year, though, the votes had him up pretty high, but uh, still. Yeah, he's, he's, he was up there. But for know, him, I think it depends on if he goes to WWE and main events WrestleMania or or gets that big WrestleMania reaction that we you and I know he would get if he showed up there. Right. Um, I think he probably is going to get in um, yeah. if he sits out and does nothing for a year. Maybe not. If he makes up with AEW and they do a big feud. I think there's like a real good chance he gets. In. So uh, this year, yeah, he could get in if he has a big year this year. I think he, right. he had a big year this year. I think he does get in, honestly. It's really an interesting read. I love seeing these names on here. And, and next week, I'm going to ask you about uh, 
the UK contingency because there's a bunch of names here that I, I'm surprised aren't already into. But that's it for now. We're out of time. Dave Meltzer, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for taking us through this year's Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. You can see it all for yourself, WrestlingObserver.com. Subscribe for the newsletter. It really is, if you're a fan of the nitty-gritty and what we talk about here, uh, it's definitely well worth reading. Dave, thank you very much. Okay, have a great week. Coming up next, we are going to look at our own best of 2022 and the worst of. We're going to tell you how you play a part in that next on Sunday night's main event. You're listening to Sunday night's main event on TSN Radio. Sunday night's main event is brought to you by Great Lakes Beer, a fiercely independent brewery. Black as night, light as a full moon, deep in character. Little is known about the guardian that protects the Great Lakes Stout. His nobility is as thick as his mustache, which belies the essence of the beer he defends. Through this mystery, what one can gather is, with this traditional dry stout, you'll finally vanquish the illusion that dark means heavy. Congratulations. You just found your new session stout. Find a selection of Great Lakes beer at your local LCBO or order online at greatlakesbeer.com. You're listening to Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. Oh, it's a quick wrap to the show this week. I'm Mike McGuire. Thanks for being a part of the show. If you missed today's episode, you can always check us out at snmeradio.com. It uploads the next day for free, or you even get the show early if you subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash snmeradio. Some of the big stories we talked about this week. Again, if you missed the announcement, AEW making their way back to Canada. They're going to be out in Winnipeg coming up in March. Also, we're going to have a visit from GCW, Game Changer Wrestling, the return of the death matches. That's what that promotion is probably most credited for. And, of course, a lot of talent you can see on TV and AEW, some WWE and uh, everywhere have emanated from GCW over the last few years. They've had a really a breakout year or two, which, by the way, is one of the categories in this year's Best of. Next weekend, the SNME Radio crew, including myself, Dan the Mouth of Fransky, Boris Aguilar, Joe Aguinaldo, Matt Ederer, and more, who knows, might show up this, are going to combine with your thoughts on the year's best in wrestling and then the worst of. We'll have highlights of that for you here on the weekly show. But we are out of time. Till next week, thank you for listening and letting us do what we do. Play safe, drive safe. Be seen ya. Thanks for finding Sunday night's main event. To get the complete show as well as bonus weekly podcasts, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash SNME radio.